Can I get a round of applause, everyone? <laughs> Real Madrid just beat Getafe, and today I'm excited to announce Manscaped launched their ultra-premium collection. Believe it or not, it's for your not-so-private parts. I'm talking about a leveled-up hygiene routine with your favorite manly scent. This is an all-in-one skin and hair care kit for the everyday man and covers you from head to toe, literally. Manscaped is trusted below the waist. Now you can trust them with the rest. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code MANAGINGMADRID. And as always, we'd like to give out a Manscaped Man of the Match award and talk about who Manscaped before the game today. So, Real Madrid 2, Getafe 0. Matt Wiltsey is here. Matt, can you tell me who Manscaped today? Yes, yeah, so the coveted award is going to the young lad today. The young lad being Eduardo Camavinga. Uh, he used his new Manscaped tools, and so we're happy for him. He got the full 90 minutes, and he's growing in confidence. Congratulations, Eduardo Camavinga, for having a great game and for manscaping before the game. And if you guys want to perform like Eduardo Camavinga and play for Real Madrid, all you have to do is go to manscaped.com and get 20% off and free shipping with the code MANAGINGMADRID. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code MANAGINGMADRID at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code MANAGINGMADRID at manscaped.com. The power of attraction is now in a bottle thanks to Manscaped. This episode is also brought to you by Bisha Hotel in downtown Toronto, which is where you should be booking your stay when you come see us in Toronto for the live podcast, live managing major podcast in Toronto on the last weekend of May. That's right. We're coming back to TDOT. We loved it so much. We are returning and it's a special end of season review podcast again, the last weekend of May. So if you want to book your spot to that, whether you're traveling from Montreal, Ottawa, Vancouver, Calgary, Alberta, Halifax, Moncton, Charlottetown, Northwest Territories, Yukon. Maybe you're on the other side. Maybe you're in Detroit, on the other side of Niagara Falls. Either way, book your stay at Bisha Hotel and book your spot to the podcast. Link to both of those things are in the show notes. And also, official announcement. Very excited to announce that Om Arvin will be joining me in Mumbai. So Keon and Om in India for the first and only time in the history of planet Earth. So... It's a historic, momentous occasion, and if you want to take advantage of that, I would suggest highly to go to the show notes and book your spot in Mumbai as well. If you're anywhere in that region, this is your only chance to see me and Om together in India for a podcast. That's also in the show notes, and we got Chicago coming up next weekend. That is also in the show notes, and we look forward to see you guys in Chicago. And without further ado, we're going to get started here. Getafe versus Real Madrid postgame show with a little twist. We have a new intro, thanks to Derek Ray on ESPN comms today. We love you, Derek. Thanks for the shout out. And thanks to Om for putting this together, putting the little new intro together right after the game so we could use it for this show and moving forward and enjoy. Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. Wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Benzema needs to rest ended up almost looking like a 6-3-1 some very good writing about that on the Managing Madrid website frustrate podcast as well of course Pere Valverde was a huge part of the equation Hello and welcome to a Saturday edition of the Managing Madrid podcast we are feeling good today we just Come back off of uh, another victory in what in many years would have been classified as a trap game and would have been a trap game. But um, 
lo and behold, some nice rotation, some energy from Kamavinga and Fede Valverde, a really good performance from the team as a whole. Some Even some substitutes that uh, came in who, for the second time, maybe caught us off guard in some ways with Ceballos and Bale, but it seems like they're just going to be part of the rotation now possibly to end the season. And some things have been patched up with Bale, it seems, between club and player and agent. And to be honest, that's probably the least, uh, that's probably the smallest talking point on this podcast, but it was just one thing. And Real Cruz to a pretty comfortable win over Getafe, who were pretty lifeless in this game. And we're going to break it down. So joining me on an earlier podcast than usual, because Real Madrid are not playing at the godforsaken hour of 9 p.m. on Sunday night, is Matt Wilty. Matt, how are you? And welcome to the show. Hey, Keon, doing well. Yeah, I, mean, I think you had a nice introduction there. It was lifeless is a good word because that's really what it was from Matafe. It was this was as routine as it gets. Really, it, it was a walk in the park, but it was nice. Like like you mentioned, it was nice to see some other players get a role. It was nice to see guys like Camavinga, Fede Valverde, Rodrigo, even Marcelo all start Lucas Vasquez all start come into the rotation and get the job done and shows Carlo show Carlo that hey you can rotate it is okay like it, it's nothing uh, the team can get it done there are some other good players in this group give them confidence give them time and they can show you what they can do and I'm happy Kamavinga got a full 90 minutes under his belt Fede with another performance like these are these are important things to note. And I thought all in all, like I can't really point out to a bad individual performance anywhere. I think everyone played pretty well. Um, yes, granted, Tafe were were pretty terrible, but um, it was perfect, like perfect conditions for Marcelo. I mean, he didn't have to defend at all. He got to do what he likes to do. Had some actually came close to scoring on a number of occasions. So all in all, a feel a feel good win heading into uh, the next Chelsea match. Well, we've we've spent like you know three of the our three of our victories in the in the recent um, I don't know last few weeks or whatever. Uh, we have spent a lot of time talking about things that the opponents have done wrong, whether it's Katape, whether it's Chelsea, whether it's PSG. But I also just want to take a lot of time here to talk about well, credit to Real Madrid and credit to what they've what they've done on the pitch. Credit to Benzema, who's been absolutely playing out of his mind. Credit to so many, so many players, and I think today, like you can, we can talk about Getafe um, not doing much and doing just what, uh, just a classic Getafe performance. To be honest, you know, we we watch them. I've watched them more now that Mayoral is there, and I often come away like thinking, like I don't really have many notes because Mayoral. There's not much to take home from this because. He's not as involved as he was in the Roma game. In the Roma days, where Roma had more of the ball, he was more fluid and he had more link-up opportunities. And in this game, this was a classic example of him. This is just kind of part of the course for him. 11 touches overall. I mean, 10 of them came in the first half, which is which is um, just... I, I guess he came off at halftime, so that is that is the stat. He had 11 touches overall. I think he had like 10 like in the 40th minute, and it was 11 overall. But... This is kind of classic Hatafe, but I do want to shift the focus to what Ramja do did do well, and I'm like, would you say you've been pleasantly surprised by Carlo Ancelotti in the last two games? Let's say because I would say I didn't have much faith in him getting things right versus Chelsea. I was wrong, and again, I'm the first person to celebrate that. I don't, I really care a little that I was wrong, and I was pleasantly surprised when I saw the lineup today. I I was expecting to just see probably the same lineup as Chelsea, but 
you know, if we can go into these games that are sandwiched between these big Champions League games, uh, looking at our opponent and 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 uh, saying that okay, we can get away with a W if we play these players like Kaman Fede and Marcelo, who had a good game again, wasn't tested defensively much, but had a good game. It totally makes sense and adds up to me that we would we would make these rotations. So I'm glad I'm glad Carlo went with this lineup today as well. Yeah, I think you mentioned it on last weekend's podcast where you said, look, we will we'll, we'll criticize Carlo and we'll also um, give him credit when it's due. And you said, I'll be perfectly happy if he does somehow pull a, a tactical banana out against Chelsea and he does start rotating and integrating players. But I don't think that's going to happen. And sure enough, he does both things uh, against Chelsea and now against Atafe. And so... Um, yeah, I mean, nobody was really expecting it just given his prior history and given his trend overall this season. But uh, yeah, I, I'm really happy to see that he has done it. And he has, we saw against Chelsea, like he got it right. He definitely got it right. He exploited Tuchel's system. And then today he finally decided to rotate. We all thought it was going to be the same exact lineup, but with Chelsea on Tuesday and then Sevilla away at the Sanchez Pichuan, like if there's ever a game to rotate, it's this one. So um, thankfully he did. He trusted those guys he gave. Um, it was really interesting. I'm sure we'll talk about it. It's interesting to see this Casemiro Fede Camavinga midfield again, because we're always worried about who's going to be the progressive passer, who's going to be the person that uh, can add that creativity from midfield. And um, today I think they did a couple of things that made me think, okay, well, maybe this could work hypothetically in the future, even with like another player like Casemiro uh, in that midfield because of X, Y, and Z. And I'm sure we'll get in, we'll get into that further. Yeah, that actually I've highlighted as, a, as one of the main talking points tonight. So let's table it for a second. But I, I, I agree that that's a huge, interesting talking point that we should get to. Um, I also just wanted to point it out just like that we are recording this right after the game. So we'll deal with Carlo quotes as they come. And we'll just kind of like Ewan McTeer is covering that for us. And he was at the stadium early kickoff, by the way, he sent a picture of this beautiful sunset. And the cool thing about the Bernabeu is it's like always, if you're there during sunset, it's this beautiful purple hue, purple haze in the sky. And it's just overlooking the, the top of the stadium. And it's quite, quite magical. So I was happy for him to experience that. Um, so Ewan's there for us uh, tonight. And also, shout out to Derek Ray, who, because of him, we have a new intro tonight. So thanks for the shout out on the podcast. He has now really, him and Ray both have been huge flag bearers of us on national media. And we just want to say thank you and we appreciate that. Derek, if you're listening, uh, we love you, man. Thank you so much for the shout out. And also, yeah, was, he was you. referencing Matt's article, um, which was a tactical breakdown of the Chelsea game. So that's also pinned on the Manager Madrid homepage if you go see that. Um, you can you can see that tonight, tomorrow, whenever you listen to this podcast, it'll be pinned there. So, um, getting back to Real Madrid's performance, it was interesting. Like right away, you see some certain wrinkles, right? Like one of the themes in this game was Marcelo playing as an inverted left back, and you kind of see how that works with Camavinga and Vinicius on that side, where like right away in the first minute, Marcelo goes to the inverted left back role. And uh, and Kamavinga gets the ball almost like as a left center back. He looks for Vinny, who makes the run as a right as a left winger, and they can try to exploit some of that in the build up. But I think as it turned out, it wasn't really a huge deal anyway because Khatafe didn't really press much. They were in a five three block, five three two block. Um, at times it was mid block, but for the most part it was a pretty deep block. 
and uh, they let our ball carriers like Kamavinga, Fede, and Co. have the ball and make that initial pass out of the back. But I thought maybe we can start with Marcelo actually for that reason. Um, do you, I mean, what did you think of his performance? I thought him and Lucas Vasquez both had a pretty good game today. I mean, you mentioned no one played bad today, and I, I, I'd agree with that unless it was one of the moments in the second half where maybe I tuned out for a little bit and someone did something bad. I mean, we can nitpick some stuff, but I, I don't really feel like it in a game like this. But talk about the performances of the wingbacks. How about, let's do that. Let's couple it. Uh, Vasquez on the right um, had a game high 114 touches, I think it was. Yep. And Marcelo, uh, the second most of the 107 touches, so they were both highly influential, also combined for six shots. And um, I thought they were they were pretty good in this game. Yeah, I thought they were both great. Uh, both of them were great. Um, I actually, and I'm trying to find the account, which I found this on on Twitter, uh, but it's a new account I found that kind of provides um, not only XG, but expected threat and all these different types of uh, analytics after matches. And Lucas Vasquez actually had the highest expected threat in this, in this game along uh, Vinny was right under him and uh, just his progressive passing, his progressive carries. Like he was, he was the one who was providing um, the most opportunities in this match. And you think about the number of giving goes he did the cutbacks, his crosses, it was all on today. And I thought he played really, really well. And this type of match is the perfect match, uh, the perfect conditions for Marcelo and Lucas Vasquez to play in because they both, um, they didn't really have to focus on 1v1 defending. They didn't have to focus on um, pressing or covering space. Like it was a relatively easy match for them from a defensive uh, standpoint. And in the final third is we don't really have that many issues with them. I think Lucas, Sometimes he can be a little predictable, but today he, he worked really well in tandem with Rodrigo, combining with Benzema, Fede, Kamavinga. So um, those two were great. And I mentioned already how Marcelo nearly scored on a couple of occasions. He had a really nice volley in the first half. Uh, I love when he cuts in on his right foot because his right foot shot is, is always very strong. Um, I think it was against Schelke where he scored one of those brilliant goals in the Champions League. And uh, ever since then, whenever he cuts in, it's always a good opportunity. And so, yeah, both of them, I thought it was it was just a really good game. Fun to see. Fun to see Marcelo still have that type of game at the Santiago Bernabeu. And we, we know these are the last few moments of him at the Santiago Bernabeu. And so to get that and to see kind of, <clears throat> obviously it's not vintage Marcelo, but to see moments or little things where you're like, ah, yes, I remember that. That's that's Marcelo. That's, remember what he could do? Oh, man. And so it was good good to see that. He also had um, a moment where he he cleared a set piece with a header, a, really, a fighting header where he goes in 50-50 and wins it cleanly. And I was like, yes, defensive set piece ability for the team. This is a this is a great moment. You mentioned that this is a one of those ideal games for Vasquez and Marcelo to play in. I think that also goes hand in hand with our midfield trio that was on the field today. Because when you're looking at a team like Hadafe who won't really make the wingbacks that uncomfortable. But if they do, it's going to be in transition opportunities because they're going to soak up pressure. And, uh, you know, obviously they don't have, like, you know, BBC up front, so they're not going to do too much damage. Although there were moments where Enes Unal um, gave us a little bit of a problem. And Mayoral, that one chance in the first half, which he didn't even get a shot off because Alaba comes in with a slide. It was a weird one because Alaba comes in with a sliding challenge, but 
he doesn't even actually make a tackle or connect with it. Myral just kind of fumbles it because he's like, what's going on? And where's Alaba? And he just loses the ball. And I think we actually, in that moment, we actually almost score the other way or we have a good chance. Um, but but just the fact that we have those three out there paired with Lucas Vasquez and Marcelo means that if when you have two-way players like Kamavinga and Fede together plus Casemiro as your anchor, your transition defense should be pretty solid and your coverage should, should, should be pretty good. So if Marcelo does get caught, you should be okay. Um, I did want to also just mention, and this may be a, a, a nice smooth transition to the midfield discussion, but... I mentioned that Marcelo had her on a set piece. The other thing that I noted about this midfield trio, and something maybe that was like a little bit underrated about Kamavinga, not something I would I would say is like at the forefront of his of his skill set or something that you know you you think about immediately when you think about Kamavinga. Um, just one side benefit of that, and I noticed this when he the first set piece that Katape had. You know, we, we've conceded so many free headers and stuff, but Kamavinga clears it with his head. And I was like, you know, I never really thought about it, but, you know, him by default is an upgrade over Cruz and Mordic in that specific aspect, not as a player, but just in that specific aspect of giving us an aerial presence. And then I went and looked up the numbers, and he's, among, he's in the 61st percentile of, of players uh, in his position in aerials one. Whereas you compare that to Modric and Cruz, 7 and 8%. And so it's a completely different look when you're defending set pieces, especially in a team that, you know, lost Ramos and Varane. We don't really have that much size anymore. Kamavinga actually brings that threat. I think it's a, it's, a, it's just a side benefit. But I'm curious to know what you thought of the trio as a whole and how much of them looking good today had to do with us facing Katafe and how much of... Like, what is it about this midfield three that maybe got you excited and if there's anything that you're worried about specifically? Yeah, so a couple quick thoughts to build off on Kamavinga there first. Um, I mean, you, you called it out, the aerial presence. I think that's something that's underrated that maybe we haven't necessarily talked about before. And he had, in, in this game alone, he won all three of his aerial duels 100%. Um, and that's... It's nice to have that. And I think what I noticed in this game, which was a standout for me, is, and I think this is something that will only improve as he plays and gains more experience, is he uses his body really well in his frame. And so when he picks up a ball, even if he takes maybe a little bit heavier touch, he can just, he does like the Ed and Hazard, but he's super muscular and just has like a really athletic frame where he can just put his bum into someone or put a shoulder in, shield them off, and be able to retain possession, even if he has a little bit of a heavier touch. And I think that's going to serve him really well and allow him to be a press-resistant player going forward. Um, but in terms of answering your direct question on, like, what do we think of this midfield three? Like, if we use it more regularly in the in the future, um, what 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 could we see? Or was it just Hatafe today? I think I always think back to um, something Ohm said at the start of the season uh, one of our early podcasts where he's like, I'm just looking for repeatable patterns, things that can be done again um, and things that we would see um, game after game. And I think what could be useful for this midfield, especially when you're missing guys like Cruz and Modric, who are your progressive passers, is the one twos in and around the top of the box. You don't have to be a super creative 
or special passer or play these dagger Gucci like vertical balls breaking lines. As long as if you can pull off the one twos, the quick one twos with the fullback, then that breaks defenses and that that breaks low blocks too, uh, really really well. And I think you saw that today, especially there was one moment in the first half with Kamavinga and Lucas Vasquez where they did a quick one two. Uh, right at the top of the box, Kamavinga plays Lucas Vasquez through, and he cuts it back. Uh, I think I want to say it went to Benzema. Uh, I can't I can't recall who it went to, but it was a really good opportunity, and it was one of those moments where I, I was thinking to myself, "Yes, this is where this midfield it can make sense." Is if they had these quick combinations at the top of the box, then yeah, maybe they don't need those uh, creative passes. Maybe they don't need to be brilliant in that regard, and they can get away with it. But I'd like to see it. I'd like to see it against a better opposition. See them um, kind of test it a little bit more. But overall, I thought they they all played really well. And I thought for me, Kamavinga was maybe more of a standout than the other three, just because I felt like he played with more confidence in this game. I felt like he looked really comfortable. He went through a little of a I wouldn't call rough patch, but just kind of integrating period in the middle of the season where his form dropped off. Carlo wasn't using him as much. There would be games where he just sat on the bench, like wouldn't even be involved. And now he's back in the rotation. He's playing big games. Um, Like he's getting, he was subbed on in the PSG game. He's subbed on in the Chelsea game. He's now starting this match. And when he's starting, he's not getting yanked at halftime. He's playing the full 90 minutes and playing really well. And so I think he's gradually, getting his confidence back. And I think that for me was a big takeaway for today. It's interesting. Like I agree with you. I think if, if this, I mean, the progressive passing or lack thereof didn't hurt the team today. Um, but it will in certain games, I think like, you know, just to, just to be clear, I, I think this game was good and encouraging, but I think there are definitely going to be games where you're going to need someone to play those passes either over the top or just make some nice incisive through balls. But I will say if this midfield three is going to be together, and again, I, you know, Chuomeni fits them a little bit better than Casemiro does. But if you if you pair these three together, you're going to create offense in a different way. And not to say that there's either right or wrong about how you create offense. It's just nice to have that versatility and progressive passing in there. What you saw today was Kamavinga and Fede did actually hit some forward passes and vertical passes. They just weren't long range. But, but I did admire, like... Kamavinga was a good, a pretty good line breaker today. Like his dribbling was important. Like he can, he can, and and both of them had good ball carrying sequences, particularly. Like I think, like if you look at the way those two create, it's it's dynamic. It's higher octane. With Fede, it's a lot of ball carrying. He had a lot of good ball carrying sequences in this game. With Kamavinga, it's some nice dribbling sequences where he can get out of tight spaces with his dribbling, but also with his off ball movement, they can both do damage. And I liked that, you know, he was fluid and direct. Like, both of them, I every time they had the ball. Um, like, Kamavinga, first of all, and this was another interesting wrinkle I'm, I'm be curious to get your thoughts on. But first, Kamavinga was very active in the left wing and the left half space, linking up with Marcelo and Vinicius. He had that really, really beautiful um, ball into the box in the 18th minute where he's on the right side. He kind of just airdrops that cross on Benzema's foot, and then Benzema attempts that back heel, which doesn't get pulled off. But around that time, then you notice, um, while Fede is also doing all these great things on the other side, by the way, his counter-pressing in particular I thought was very good in this game. 
Uh, and again, his ball carrying. He had like at least four really good ball carrying sequences, but probably more. Um, but they switched positions like halfway through the first half or so. Um, and I don't, and that was interesting to me because I mean, you don't often see that from central midfielders. You'll see that from wingers. Um, but just the fact that you have center midfielders swapping positions was interesting to me. I, I don't know if that's, you know, when you think of also Kamavinga's left foot, Fede's right foot, you know, having inverted center midfielders actually does help in, in a lot of ways. You know, Modric is the classic example of not that, but Cruz is. So it's interesting that he added that wrinkle. And I was just curious if you if you had any thoughts on that. I I like it, especially to the last point you made, them being able to cut in on onto their stronger foot and take a shot. I mean, Fede Valverde, that one free kick he took today was nearly got me out of my chair. Was, I thought yeah, he, I thought it was going in, and it was a bullet. Uh, and then we've obviously seen Kamavinga score a long-range Golasso at the Santiago Bernabeu before, and so I think he's got that in his locker. He doesn't – not quite as powerful as, as Fede, but I, I do think it's in his locker. <clears throat> and so, yeah, being able for both of them to, to cut in, I think it would be – I think we'd also probably see them take a little bit more risk in their passing, at least central passing, and trying to play the, those through balls if if they were – inverted like Fede playing on, on, on the left and Kamavinga playing on the right. So I liked it. I, I, I want to see more of it. Um, I think especially Fede, cause he plays there for Uruguay uh, when he does play central midfield and I, I like him there. And that's in that left central midfield spot, especially yeah. his, his cross field switches as well. Yeah. And so I, I thought they were both great today. And um, the other thing about like Casemiro too, another maybe also falls in the Marcelo category, just in the sense that he's not going to have that much to do defensively tonight. Um, so Getafe are, and, and also like, you know, we talked about this as a perfect game for Vasquez and Marcelo. Playing a team that doesn't press is a perfect game for Casemiro too, you know, because then you're really relying on only his transition defense and obviously other things he can do defensively, like reading the game, um, which he does at an absolute elite level. And he's coming off the back of that awesome performance in Chelsea. But, um, yeah, I think this is an ideal game for Casemiro in that sense, too. By the way, um, five interceptions for Kamavinga today. By far, game high. Um, anything else from that midfield trio that you wanted to, to talk, talk about? Um, I guess we could briefly talk about Casemiro getting a yellow card, and now he's out for, Sevilla. for the Sevilla match. Do you think... Carlos just going to plug in Kamavinga and have Kamavinga cruise Modric, or do you think he's going to do something else? If I had to guess, that's what he'll do. Um, but what I think might happen is, I mean, and now we've seen also Kamavinga play as, as a central midfielder more than once now, which is nice. If he goes with like, like, a, like a, or he, you know, he, he may very well also go with Fede as with Fede, Modric and Cruz. That's the other option. But I, I think what he'll maybe he'll also go with all four. Maybe he'll go with Kamavinga, Cruz, Modric, and Fede on the right. And maybe that's, he'll put Cruz in defensive mid spot. That's what I was going to say. I think you might also see certain. Maybe you'll see Kamavinga and Cruz interchangeable. Maybe you'll see yeah. them swapping positions. I mean, Cruz even with Casemiro in the lineup often does drop into the center back role, right? So yeah. uh, I think I think you could see either either of those options plus some interchangeability to help. Um, I think Carlos 
we're gonna, I'll check Carlos' quotes in a second, it's, but go ahead. It's funny, though, because I, I was just thinking to myself, we mentioned Carlos. He's all of a sudden rotating. He all of a sudden added some tactical uh, changes against Chelsea. Yeah. And he's moving Kamavinga now up into the eight, playing him there predominantly. Like Carlos finally, uh, finally given in. He's finally not being so stubborn. Yep. I'm happy. Yeah. He, he's, he's finally, he's finally hearing us out. Um, um, this is great. So let's, let's pump the brakes though. Let's just wait. Let's, let's analyze it more towards <laughs> yes, the end of the seriously. season. But yeah, right now, yeah. right now we're happy right now. We're, we're good. Um, so the other thing I wanted to mention about this game is, um, obviously Vinicius is playing really good last couple games. Didn't score against Chelsea, but did so many things. You know, I, brought up those Vinny stats in the Champions League, which have made the rounds. And I thought today he was, again, like pretty much cooked Janae all the way through. It started with a nutmeg, but he also juked him out a couple of times in the second half. That filthy cross to open the scoring in this game. I guess like people reminded me that he's done that before, but we just he just didn't get an assist for it. But um, that was a special cross. Really special cross. I mean, we've seen Mordish do it. You know, there are plenty of players, I guess, in the past who have done it. But I think what's special about Vinicius doing it is that he can do so many other things. So once he starts adding things like this to his arsenal regularly, it's he's going to just be impossible to deal with. If, like, stuff like this, I mean, and scoring was the other one, right? Like, adding scoring to his repertoire this season was huge. Because now it's he's really hard to defend, but he starts doing all these things and the confidence, the swagger he plays with. Uh, just he's going to be lights out as a player if he isn't already. And uh, just that cross got me really excited for him. It feels like Vinny is almost getting a second win at this stage of the season. He, obviously, he was incredible first first half of the season. Then started to tail off, I would say, around January, maybe even late December. And now these last few games, honestly, maybe starting with Chelsea, he's he's coming back and looks like the Vinicius from the start of the season. And that's encouraging. That That's going to be huge for the final title run-in for both the Champions League and La Liga. And to have him playing kind of with this freshness, it just feels like the energy's back. It feels like his speeds back. It feels like even doing these these creative new new skills. Like this is this is what we need to see from Vinny. This is what um, is going to be a differentiator for us because that's what he's been all season. Besides the small little lull in, in in the middle of the of the season. So yeah, I think Vinny was great. Um, he had four completed dribbles off of his five attempts. Uh, you you mentioning Janae kind of made me laugh because I'm thinking of the video Ohm posted on managing Madrid and that that thing was cracking me up. I've never I don't seen even know before. what was going on in that video, so but it's funny, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, the the interesting thing is that like this isn't even that eventful of a mini game. Like this is not like he just had a really good game without even having to overexert himself. This wasn't like, you know, but I think this was, and and this also encouraged me against Chelsea too. Like he was quiet in the second half against Chelsea because of that Tuchel adjustments where he push puts Reese James a little bit deeper. Right. And I'm, you know, we talk about this a lot, but I think that kind of canceled each other out, but that worked in our favor because we didn't need more goals at that point. And Chelsea lost the Reese James output in the final third. 
but he's also been now just a moments player. It doesn't seem like he's getting too cold on those occasions. Like he can he can conserve his energy and blitz blitz teams in a single moment, which is something he's he did earlier in the season too. Like think about that goal against Sevilla, right? The the one where we all lost our minds at the end, where he cuts in and scores that golazo. You know, it was we just kept him on the field. He wasn't doing much in the second half, but he pops up for that. And I think that really encourages me too, because that's that's something that Ronaldo had, is that even in games where he was kind of out of it, not that he was out of it in this game, but this is more of a general point, but he can just come and kind of float in and out and come up with a moment of brilliance still at the end. So uh, I feel like he's back. And look, this is the thing. A lot of people were freaking out when Vinny dipped in form. We had to remind people, hey, when you travel across the ocean and you play two games in two days, it's pretty insane. Like, I, I don't even, like... I think it was, did you write an article about it or you just said it on a podcast where you were talking about like, or maybe you said it on Twitter, you were talking about like the altitude and what the hell, what that does to you physiologically. Yeah, Dude, yeah. I, I literally went to that Chelsea game and back and I didn't play football at all. I didn't even go to the gym or exercise. I felt like my face was going to fall off my skull. Like I was destroyed in, yeah. uh, and to actually think about like playing football at the professional level twice in two days. I can't even imagine. Anyway, so uh, the point is, like, I think everyone just needs to take a chill pill when he just had a little dip in form. He's he's young. He's had an incredible season. He's back to where he is again on the trajectory, and I'm not I'm not worried. <laughs> That's it. On yeah, the opposite, I think Fede Valverde. Go ahead. Fede Valverde actually talked about um, those trips recently, and just talked about how like it's so difficult to sleep when you get back and the time changeover and. Yeah, how they do take their toll. Um, and I think the other part of this too is, and me myself, I fall victim to this too, is like we forget that these players are, are humans and it's just not like it's not sustainable to Cristiano and Messi have kind of even Lewandowski and some of these other guys now, even what Benzema's doing, they've kind of warped our perception of what's normal. And it's not normal for them to be performing at these levels that they're performing at every single week, week in and week out. And dips will happen. I mean, even Benzema is off every maybe a few games a year, but like it happens. And so uh, we just I think we just have to recognize that, especially for young players like there's going to be peaks and valleys. Many peaks and valleys, but if the trajectory is generally up, that's a good thing. And Vinicius yeah. is on track. Yeah. Um, I thought Rodrigo on the opposite wing had a pretty good game too. You could even argue possibly had a better game than than a, uh, than than Vinicius, although it doesn't really matter. I thought they were both really good. Um, but from a creation standpoint, Rodrigo was was really good. He was calm and calculated. Obviously, he had the assist to Vasquez, which was a really nice, uh, patient and just uh, compose interchange between the two great off ball movement from Vasquez proactive and Rodrigo just staying calm and finding the right pass to him. Talk about Rodrigo's performance a little bit. Uh, and, uh, and then we can move on to other things. Well, he, he was involved in both goals too. Cause he, on the first goal, it kind of started with Rodrigo and what I liked about what he did. And this is a difference from what I think Asensio would have done is he, he was on the ball and Hatafe kind of moved their shape and, and made it difficult for him to play the outlet pass to Lucas Vasquez. So he could have turned and just played it back to Militao or Alaba and played the safe pass. 
but instead he he put his foot on the ball and then he waited a little bit for that shape to move and then played a vertical ball into Casemiro who then passed it on over to to Vinicius and so that that small little detail I feel like is is different from Asensio. I feel like Asensio, we're so used to him being very passive and would either play it horizontally or play it backwards in, in that type of scenario. And so I like that Rodrigo pushed it forward, waited for the right opportunity, and decided, no, I'm go, I'm still playing vertical. And so um, that that and that was one of the uh, starts of the first goal. And then the second goal, like you mentioned, great give and go with Lucas Vasquez. I think we have to give Lucas credit uh, for his run. And it's funny to watch at the professional level because it happens so often. It happens with Real Madrid too. It's like, it's one of the easiest things and one of the hardest things to do in the game is just track your runner, track your runner. Lucas Vazquez passes the ball to Rodrigo and then makes a run inside to the bot. He just keeps going. He doesn't stop. And the Hatafe defender, I forget who it was, just stopped. Like after Lucas pass, passes it, he stops. He thinks his job is done. Um, and so many, even you, like you'll see it at all levels of football. People just stop after their the ball carrier that they were marking passes it. Well, if that ball marker keeps going, you have to follow that run and track him. Nobody on Hatafe tracks him, and so Lucas is in inside the box free and can stroke that home. Um, so, yeah, I thought I thought Rodrigo was really good. I was actually surprised because I saw some people on my timeline like criticizing him. I was like, "What are you talking about? He's playing great." And so criticizing, um, I thought criticizing Rodrigo, was, Rodrigo, Rodrigo. Mm. Yeah. Um, but I know I thought this was a really, really good game from Rodrigo and good to see him uh, getting back into the rotation. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny. Like I actually, one of the things that if, again, I nothing, nothing to nitpick here. I think maybe it's possible that Benzema had um, the quietest game of, of the front three or like the, the least effective yeah, in a sense. I, I mean, and and that's not really a knock on Benzema. I mean, he if anyone has a margin of error to not play like literally God for one game, yeah. it's him. Um, you know, one thing that he always has struggled with throughout his career at times has been his passing and transition. I thought that was a little bit off today. Uh, obviously, he did score a goal, which was disallowed, um, which also came off the back of a beautiful pass over the top from David Alaba. Um, and then Rodrigo... His pass was it was unfortunate the way it bounced it was it was offside for Benzema ultimately but um, he also Benzema also had some nice touches I mean he there were times where he was sworn by the Getafe barricade in zone 14 and he just did just enough to escape it and play it out wide to Vasquez and so it was very good I mean this is just it's just that he was mortal in this game like who cares he was he was mortal for a game but we didn't need him to be we didn't need him to be lights out because everyone stepped up and this was the benefit of a team performance and using all of your squad and getting good performances from everyone that, you know, you can get nights off like this from Benzema. Um, what else did you want to touch on in this game? Um, well, you talked about Borja Mayoral. I think part of the reason why he, he didn't play well was because he was absolutely pocketed by Eder Militao. Militao just every single time Myral got on the ball, either bodied him, just put in a slide tackle, won it back. I thought Militao was really good for, for the time he was on the pitch. Um, same with Alaba. I mean, Alaba, his focus was more just playing that exit ball out of the back today. And um, But they do a really good job, especially I think the, obviously we, we play a higher line at the Santiago Bernabeu because we're looking to 
to push the team up and to, to pressure a little bit higher and win the ball higher up the pitch. But I think they do a really good job of holding that line really high um, and sustaining that pressure and being comfortable. Cause that's, that's the biggest thing as a defender is like, you have to be comfortable with that much amount of space behind you and be comfortable stepping out into weird positions where a defender, a central defender may not necessarily be used to stepping out into. That's just the role of a Real Madrid defender. And uh, I think they've done that really well for most of the season. Obviously there's, there's games where you can nitpick, but I think for most of the season, they've done that really well. And I thought Militao was, was great tonight. Um, we'll see. We'll see if he's a big miss on Tuesday or not. Um, I thought of, of all the performers against Chelsea, I thought Militao, I thought he played really well, but there were moments where I was like, tactically, he, he sometimes still gets things off. And so um, it'll be interesting to see if, if Nacho can come in. And I think he'll, he can do a better job of understanding the game tactically, but if he can deal with it, from a athletic standpoint, especially if Lukaku plays, because when Lukaku was in there, it was it was a nightmare for our central defenders to to work against him, especially with the crosses. That's the biggest concern. I, I think I I trust Nacho to do some things. I still I still don't think he's nearly on Militao's level as a whole as a defender. Um, but uh, you know, and especially the aerial aspect of it, and that's what worries me the most. I, I trust Nacho. Like he's obviously faster than he looks. He's one of the fastest players in the squad. That's always forgotten. Um, and he he will put bodies on people, but also just the, he he's not going to outmatch Lukaku. And who knows will Lukaku even play um, a, a significant role? It, it really remains to be seen. Um, you mentioned something there uh, that I really want to touch on. Uh, okay, let's skip ahead. And oh, this is what it was. You were just kind of mentioning the, I guess the overall um, some overall points. But one thing that I did want to bring up was that I scan, I skimmed through the, the Carlo Presser. There's not much interesting in there, but there is one nugget of information that is Ferland Mendy will play against Chelsea um, and that today was just a precaution and he's fine. So uh, I, th- I think that's important. Um, what was your assessment? Maybe you can get it in podcast form, in verbal form, of Mendy against uh, Chelsea because I know like a lot of people were concerned in the first half with maybe Reese James attacking the final third a little bit, but I think overall we all pretty unanimously agreed that uh, he's he's incredibly important on nights like that yeah and i am i always when you talk about mandy versus chelsea i just flash back to that moment where he does his maradona-esque run up the field and just cuts and dribbles through like five the different players thing and gives is us like, all a heart attack we laugh about it but he has he ever not pulled it off he does it with supreme confidence yeah i mean there's not like a major moment we i i can think of he, like gets, in a big he has game given the ball away hasn't at the back, pulled that off but that's that's when he tries like but in terms things. of like, dribbling yeah i i think like, it's think like about, he does like uh roulettes in the back against barcelona i remember he did a roulette the other, like right outside our box he's, it's going to be funny until funny the day player. he gets it wrong yeah. until the day that it just costs us something disastrous and un- yeah. until then it's funny but but after that yeah. it won't be funny. Um, so yeah, I, honestly, I don't have that much from this game. I did want to get your thoughts on the subs. Yeah. Do you have? Do you feel like you had enough sample size to properly assess? I mean, Nacho, Asensio, and um, Alaba. I mean, uh, sorry, Nacho and Asensio. Just those two were the late subs 
I don't have yeah. anything on them. And plus, if I did, I mean, the game was so over at that point that who cares? But did yeah. you have anything on Bale and Ceballos? Yes. Yeah, so um, first on Ceballos, I think an interesting nugget I took from Carlo's pre-match press conference was how he said Ceballos deserves more minutes. He's been training really well. Um, and I, I, I'm actually, I feel sad that I haven't been able to give him the minutes he deserves. Yeah. And I think back to his Arsenal stint after he had, he had a, an injury when Arteta first took over and he was out for a number of months. And I remember Arteta said that Ceballos, like after a couple of weeks started training like an animal and eventually won his position back because of that. And said, and Arteta talked about how he'd never seen like a player just train with that type of mentality. And I think Ceballos took that um, lesson learned and and has brought it over to Real Madrid. And I'm sure he's working really hard in training, given what Carlo just said. And I've always liked Ceballos as a player. I think he's much better than a lot of people give him credit for. And I thought he looks good today. He's always every time he plays for Real Madrid, at least this year, he's looked good. Like he provides. He provides a freshness. He provides energy. He always has, like, even if he plays just three minutes, he, he brings an intensity and an urgency about him. And I think he's got a great, I mean, I just love, he's first touch. You're comfortable with him. He's press resistant. He's a good ball progressor. He is one of those guys that if you put in the midfield with Fede and Kamavinga, you wouldn't worry about the ball progression as much. So um, I liked him. I, I mean, I don't think his future here is here. I think he's probably off to Real Betis in, in the summer, but I'm kind of sad about that. Like, I do think he could eventually find a way into this squad, not not necessarily a starting 11 player, but like a, an important role player if he's willing to be that, um, especially with Cruz and Modric slowing down over the next few years. Like, he, there's definitely room for him. Um, but yeah, and then Bale, the big talking point is obviously when he enters the field, his first match back at the Santiago Bernabeu and what is it, 377 days, I think I saw. And... Um, it sounded like booze, but from like you and you and tweeted it out, I think others that if you're actually at the Santiago Bernabeu, it was applause and booze is probably half and half with, uh, the, booze yeah, but that doesn't, louder. that doesn't make headlines nearly as juicy. So yeah. we're not allowed to say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, but you saw the wry smile from Bale when he heard the, the booze. He was kind of, I think everybody was just kind of waiting to see what would happen. And then sure enough, the, well, you could hear him. What's interesting is that there's been so much narrative about, oh, well, you can't play him in home games because, you know, the fans are going to boo him. I would actually argue he's so desensitized to it now that I don't think it's going to affect him at all. Like, I don't like you remember that the famous game where right after the Wales Golf Madrid thing where he got booed out of this. I mean, booed like an, an insane. That was the, the mark. I remember the next day they like actually measured the noise and it was like the equivalent the decibels were the equivalent of like a jet plane taking off the booze that he received that game but i don't know if people remember this he actually had an awesome game when he came off the bench against real so said that same game i just don't think the booze affect him anyway so I, I if that's i don't think that's the primary reason i don't really know if i buy into that narrative necessarily but it, it, even if just in case it was i don't even think it would affect him anyway but um uh Ceballos. And I, I wouldn't be so quick to say that he's gone yet. I mean, nothing would surprise me at this point. I think the fact that the fact of the matter is that he does not have that much leverage right now because of his lack of playing time and also coming back off of that injury earlier in the season. It's not like he has a choice of a bunch of suitors, right? 
So for that reason, I actually think from a career perspective, and if it, you know if Ancelotti likes what he sees from him, and he's the coach next season, then there's actually a realistic op- chance that Ceballos could be like, okay, well maybe I'll just work my way into the rotation and work really hard. It's also interesting you bring up the work ethic and and all that because anytime I've seen Ceballos play, I've never like in if I go back in all my notes, even from the Real Betis days until now in his Arsenal stint, there's never been anything in the notes questioning his work ethic like he he's good he works hard I mean some of the things we we get frustrated with is maybe his positioning as a defensive midfielder which I don't even know if necessarily was his fault because that's not his position um but like or maybe like over dribbling in certain situations but it is interesting don't you think that like from a player profile he's not that dissimilar from Fede and Kamavinga either he's high energy two-way player he's a a good passer but not necessarily a vertical passer like his progressive passes is probably his weakest trait um of all of his midfield traits but he's a really good dribbler um he's involved in the flow of play he knows how to move between the lines to receive the ball he's a really good tackler um and he has the defensive work rate down so i think actually like if if like maybe the the profile moving forward is like these high energy two way athletic guys who can do a bunch of things. He could be a good uh, substitute to Kamavinga and Fede Valverde in the in the next couple of years. I mean, I, I don't I don't think it's off the table. I mean, I, it's probably more realistic well, that he goes to Betis, but I don't just given the fact that he's not going to have like is he going to be a sure starter in Betis? Probably because Guardado is getting old. But I I don't you know I I certainly think it's on the table that he stays and fights here. It's, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not. It's obviously stranger things have happened. We didn't think Vallejo would be playing for Real Madrid again. Um, well, playing, but it's yeah, playing quotations. Um, I I agree with you, but I do think the big difference between him and Fede and Kamavinga is he's not as athletic as them. Like they are just they are physical beasts. Like, That's true, but he is feisty. To, He's feisty. He's feisty. Oh yeah, he's feisty. But I wouldn't call him athletic. Like remember the run Juan Foyt had against him in uh, Arsenal versus Villarreal when Vaguely. Juan Foyt just burned him. Um, Doesn't Juan Foyt just burn everyone? He does. I, I like Good. Juan Foyt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I think I think he's he's better. Like if he went to Betis and replaced Guardado, I, I don't know. I like him higher up the pitch. I've always been very vocal about this. I think he's I agree. You watch him anytime he plays for for uh, Spain, and he plays higher up the pitch, and that's when he plays incredible. I mean, it's the same so, thing how we feel about Kamavinga too. It's the same idea. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So we'll see. But Ceballos, I think he can. There may be more. Like his role could probably gradually improve as we wind down at the end of the season here. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, uh, again, like obviously we know three players are leaving for sure. Um, and beyond that, we can guess. But I don't know. I think maybe Sabios is in that weird, weird spot where it's like he's not – maybe he wants to fight it here and maybe, you know, because he's not going to – I mean, the one realistic option is Betis obviously. But, um, yeah, I don't I don't know if he – he he's not going to be a starter here, but I don't know if there's many top teams he'd be a starter at anyway. So it really it's really interesting to see what what happens there. Um, the also the other the other weird one is I I don't I really don't want to get into it at all right now. But so I don't even know why I'm bringing it up. But it like Hazard is not 
I don't. I just don't see him going anywhere. So I don't know what the heck the plan is with him. I I just have no idea. Like you can't. He's just coming off of surgery. No matter how much you try to push him out by not you playing him, seen the he's recent not rumors. No, tell me. I'm excited now. <laughs> uh, Arsenal are interested with a loan loan option. Is, uh, I've heard that a few months ago. Unless there's a new report coming out. I, I think I saw something that was like, I don't know if it's um, a reputable journalist, but it was from Belgium um, that Arsenal are interested in, in the loan option. So that, I mean, it would be back in London, obviously. I don't know if he'd want to go to a different team than Chelsea in the Premiership, but who knows? I'm with you. I don't think we're getting, I don't think we're getting Hazard off the book. He doesn't want to leave Madrid, according to all, all other sources. So I wouldn't either. <laughs> I I my yeah. dream my dream in life is to just get paid to live in Madrid. I don't know if there's anyone like yeah. people like get mad at Mariano Diaz. Like, what are you talking about? We all want to be Mariano Diaz. We all want to get paid to live in Madrid. Yeah. That's like literally the dream. And he gets to work out with a bunch of superstars. Um, yeah, that's interesting. So like, I I don't even I wonder what if like a, I don't know what Arsenal's team looks like this uh, next season. Obviously, they're having trouble scoring goals right now. And, um, and, but I don't like, does he start over Martinelli? Like he's not going to start over Saka or Odegaard, I don't think, or maybe he rotates and plays a 10 or left wing sometimes. I, but actually Arsenal might be a sweet spot of a club big enough, but not too big for him. And if it's a loan deal, you know, he's not, so I, sure. Um, but yeah, if, if we, if we get him off the books, it's not going to be a sale. I don't think it's going to be. It's going to be a loan and shared wage type deal like we did with Bale and Tottenham. Uh, okay, anything else? Happy to have a shorter podcast today. And by shorter, I mean what we're still like almost an hour here. But we would have just had we – ha- we wouldn't have even been started to talk about the game if Ohm was here. <laughs> yeah. And it'd be pretty incredible given how routine this this game was. Yeah, but, but I, I no, we would we would figure like big picture stuff to talk about. I think, and uh, yeah, I'm sure Ohm would go back and find a clip from like the 90th minute where, where where Nacho like did some movement or something, and like he spent like an hour talking about that. But um, <laughs> so uh, at least I I will say like I think it's a good time to just plug that. First of all, we broke records on the Chelsea post game podcast live on Zoom because we got rid of that 100 limit mark thing. And I imagine that we'll shatter it on Tuesday. And if you want access to that, patreon.com slash managing Madrid. So Lucas will be at that game for us uh, as press. And I think the plan is like shortly after that game, maybe like an hour after that game, we're going to hop on Zoom. You'll get the link if you're a patron and you can join us on the call. The chat box had like 50 messages within the first 30 seconds, people going crazy. And it was a really fun podcast. And uh, Eduardo Alvarez Alvarez had a very popular rant at the end that uh, people loved and have been uh, talking about. And Ed's now spurred to write an article about it. So Eduardo's going to write an article about it. And uh, so all that that magic happens on patreon.com slash managing Madrid. Plus, we do some video analysis live on the spot. So please go and click on patreon.com slash managing Madrid. Also, some quick notes on the podcast. Um, Chicago is coming up. Tickets are still available. So you can go and click on the show notes if you're planning on joining us in Chicago next weekend. And then Om is officially joining me in Mumbai for the podcast in May. So 
uh, yeah, that's going to be a hell of a show. So also tickets to that, plus the Toronto podcast are in the show notes. Uh, Matt, thanks for joining the show. Everyone go read Matt's article. That, again, was plugged by Derek Ray on ESPN broadcast on national television, international television, actually. Um, so go click on that and read it. Uh, and my son just uh, jumped into the room, so it's a perfect time to end, end the podcast. Okay. Thanks so much, Matt. Take care. Talk soon. Peace. Yep. Thanks again. Take care. All right. Before we wrap it up here and send you along the way, we wanted to give a quick shout out to our patrons. So thank you so much for your support when we're on patreon.com slash managing Madrid. Hope you're enjoying all the exclusive bonus content, including the record-breaking Zoom post-game show after the Chelsea game on Wednesday. And we got another one coming up on Tuesday, which will no doubt break records and probably get us over the line and get us to 1,000 patrons by next week. And once we hit that mark, we are giving away a bunch of stuff, including a signed Cristiano Ronaldo jersey. So go over to patreon.com slash managingmadrid. Specific shout out to our $10 plus patrons who not only get guaranteed responses to their questions, but also get a specific shout out on the podcast. So shout out to Brandon Alvarez, Willie Reed. Way Pairing, Wamik Jamal, Umar Mahadi, Tyler Simon, Tyler Dixon, Tobias Royal Botcher, Tahmid Kalam, Sushank Damala, Sujaiwani, Subhanshu Singh, Shivam Tiwari, Shamil, Shabaz Sharapov, Sergio Arispe, Santos Solorzano, Said Mahad, Rishi D, Phoenix, Oscar Barrera, Omar Ahmed, Nico Laxo, Nicholas Zapatero Zubiare, Patrick Odiafati, Nicholas Moller, Nick Ribeiro, Nelson Masariego, Muxith Thangal, Mowgli, MJ Diego, Michael Zinberg, Marin Myrtle, Leon Savernakis, Kunal Tilikar, Crystal Glass, Kevin Ribeiro, Jose Cruz, John Fernandez, Jeff Thurston, Jason Fitz, Graham Girard, Gary Cohut, Frederick Rantakiro, Frederick Sundros, Faisal Hamdan, S.A. Davisito, Eloy Enriquez, Edward Sossman, Daniel Williams, Christian Toft, Christian Acosta, Charles Williams, Carlos J. Silva, Brendan Powers, Brandon Stevens, Austin Fury Erdman, Ashik Bashar, Armando L, Anirud Singh, Alexis Seniseros, Alex Rose, Al, Adar Zalukovic, Adam Dorsey, Bella Chow, Varun, Fabian Moreno, and Daniel Smith. Thank you guys so much for your support. See you on Tuesday over on patreon.com slash managing for an epic Tuesday Chelsea second leg postgame show. And Halamari.